Hello and welcome to the Why I Knit podcast. My name is Dr. Mia Hobbs and I'm a clinical psychologist who is passionate about knitting and its benefits for our mental health. First of all, thank you so much for listening to the Why I Knit podcast. If this is the first episode you've ever listened to, then perhaps go back and choose a different episode because this one isn't quite the same as the usual ones. Um, This is a one-off question and answer podcast to celebrate 100,000 downloads and the end of series six. So there are loads of interviews with amazing knitters where I speak to them about why they knit and how knitting benefits their mental health. So go and choose another one of those if you're listening for the first time. And otherwise, thank you so much for supporting the podcast. So I asked on Instagram and on my mailing list, and I think in the last podcast, for you to send me any questions you had for me to answer in a Q&A episode. Um, and I got some really interesting questions. So I'm going to go through some of the questions now. So the first question is from Kathy on Instagram, who asked, do I belong to a knit and natter group? That's an interesting question. Um, I don't really. I have tried over the years a couple of times to join various, uh, well, no, so I went to Loop in Islington in London to their knit night a few times. And I think I maybe have somewhere else another knit night but unfortunately it is a bit far away from my house so it wasn't really sustainable um and I don't know that many people who are as into knitting as I am locally so what I've done instead is to kind of create a knit and natter group in a way so I have a number of groups of friends who I've kind of sneakily tried to turn into knitters So I have um, a group of mums from school and another group of friends who are people I've tried to convert into knitters. I also have a group of friends from my training course who became knitters a long time ago, but I think none of them knit as much as I do. And some of them only get out there knitting when they see me. So I would love to have a more of a knitting group. Um... But it hasn't quite happened. And I think if I'm honest, I've been in a phase of my life where my kids were small, where it it didn't really work timing wise. But maybe that could change in the future because I would like to, yeah, like to have more uh, fanatical knitting friends who I see in real life. (laughs) The next question is from Elizabeth on Instagram, who said, do I prefer to knit with lighter or heavier yarn? Now, recently, I have knitted a jumper, like a roll neck jumper in a super chunky, I think it was, the weight of the yarn. And it was very quick. It was very satisfying. But I wouldn't normally knit with very thick yarn. I think probably most of the things I've ever knitted have been in kind of four ply um, kind of weight of yarn. I think my hands and arms are happiest knitting at that kind of gauge um however I think it does also depend what I'm knitting but I also like that it's cheaper to knit on a smaller thinner yarn because um per weight of yarn you get more stitches let's say 
Um, so although it was surprisingly satisfying to knit something chunky and I would definitely do it again and I've encouraged actually my kids one of them she's doing a similar roll neck sweater because I think when you're first starting out it's quite you kind of need to finish something to get that sense of achievement whereas for me I don't want to finish things too quickly um, because then they'll be over and I'll have to find something new to knit so I do quite like knitting small gauges and kind of intricate, complicated things, if I'm honest. Um, yeah, so I think I prefer a lighter yarn. So the next question, Jess on Instagram, who is Acorn Cottage Knits, asked me, do I have a comfort knit project, either a work in progress or just a type of thing I like to make? So uh, that is a great question. And when I thought about comfort knit, I thought, what do I find most comforting? And I actually wrote a post on this about uh, on Instagram about my kind of happy place, which I decided was colour work hats. Now, I don't know it has to be a hat necessarily, but they are kind of small and manageable. Uh, you can take them out with you. But I think probably my comfort knit would be colour work because I think lots of people said socks when I asked the question on Instagram but I think for me there needs to be enough going on that it isn't just stockinette or garter stitch um, because I think I get bored if I do that even if I'm feeling quite tired I would want more going on than that the other problem with that is I think I knit too fast and then I get pain in my right arm so I think actually if I knit colour work there's enough going on to keep my brain engaged and also I don't knit so fast and then I don't get pain in my arm so I think my comfort knit would be a colour work hat like I do like getting my four ply scraps of yarn out or like my leftovers and looking at the different colours and putting something together and if it's a hat you know you can play around with it a bit um, I do love a colourwork sweater, but often they don't have colourwork all over them. It's just a yoke. And then you've got lots of stockinette in a plain colour. And I don't love that bit, to be honest. So I think I'm going to say a colourwork hat using up uh, lovely leftovers. The next question is on an email, which is from Jennifer. Here's a question for the podcast. You've mentioned that one of the therapeutic aspects of knitting might have something to do with the bilateral hand movements. I am an English thrower and feel like my right hand does most of the work. I heard you recently say you knit continental style and wondered whether you think that style has more benefits as you're using both hands more. What an interesting question. Uh, in answer, Jennifer, I don't actually know. I think there isn't enough research on knitting to say one way or another. However, if we were to borrow the research from EMDR, for example, um, eye movement desensitization reprocessing, if we were to borrow what we know from using bilateral stimulation for um, therapeutic benefits, sometimes in EMDR, you are not necessarily, I mean, A, you're not, you sometimes you're not doing any movements yourself it's your eyes that are moving following the therapist's hand or um, a dot or on a screen um, and sometimes you can use tactile sensors so that's like holding kind of two buzzers in your hands and then there's a, um, a sensation in one hand and then the other 
In which case, I think actually, even if you're not using both of your hands equally, you're still using both of them. And there is kind of a tactile stimulation in both of your hands that is uh, probably uh, going from one to the other. The other thing is, while you're knitting, regardless of what the movements are with your hand, probably all of our eyes are moving from left to right to some extent, because that's what the, well, the stitches are moving from, uh, yeah, left to right. So um, I think I'm not convinced that there is more therapeutic benefit knitting one way or another. However, I know when I was speaking to Betson Corkhill about um, who is the authority on therapeutic knitting about the research studies, she said that one of the recent studies that was um, in progress, I think, was using some form of scan. I can't remember if it was a CT scan or an MRI scan. And they were going to use it. Uh, they were going to do the scan using people who were knitting, but then they ended up changing to crochet. I think that was partly because of COVID and having to send things out in sterile packs or something. And she thought that might not be as beneficial. And she has she does talk in her book about how you can feed the yarn with your left hand in crochet so that it is more bilateral. Um, I know Betson Corkhill also talks about crossing the midline with in your knitting, which I think as a continental knitter, I don't really do. I think my left hand stays on the left and my right hand stays on the right. But if you were throwing, you might be like if you're taking the hand off the needle and wrapping the yarn around, then you might be crossing the midline, which might actually make that more therapeutic. But I think ultimately the answer is there isn't the research. We don't know. So if it works for you, that's great. But thanks for a really interesting question. And I'd love there to be more research on it. So the next email is from Sarah. So I'm going to read this one out because it's a bit of a longer one. Um, so Sarah talks about knitting every day. And she said she brings her knitting with her while she's waiting for her kids at activities or in a doctor's office. So my question focuses on the psychology of non-knitters. I think that as knitters, we've all been faced with people who ask about our knitting when knitting in public and then immediately insult us with one or more of the following comments. One, I wish I had the time to sit around and knit. And two, oh, I could never learn. I don't have enough time. Usually these comments are made when we're both waiting for our children to finish an activity. So we literally have the same amount of time. They're stuck in their cell phones while I'm knitting. Can you dive into the personalities of non-knitters that choose to insult knitters in this way? I just don't understand them. Uh, I would never comment negatively on how someone chooses to spend their time. Uh, thank you. So, Sarah, I actually think that these people are not intending to insult you. I think that would be a strange thing to do. And I think generally... I think they're actually trying to compliment you. I think they are, well, are they? I think they want to say something uh, because you're knitting and that's interesting and probably nothing else interesting is happening. Um, and I think they're kind of suggesting that you are clever and interesting because you have got the skills to knit. That's what I like to believe anyway. I think ultimately we can all be guilty of losing track of the fact that we all have 24 hours in the day 
And okay, some of us have more obligations than others in terms of, you know, how much time we have to spend working or caring or doing all the things we're responsible for. But then with our free time that we have, we can, um, yeah, choose how we prioritize what we're doing in it. And I think sometimes people do think that knitters have a kind of time portal where we get extra time because uh, we've obviously chosen to knit our own things. But I think basically we all have the same amount of time and we've just chosen to use some of that time for knitting. And I think also, you know, once you've got to the stage where you can shove your knitting in a bag and get it out, even if you only have five minutes, there are more options. When you first learn to knit, you probably can't do that because it takes a bit more bandwidth. You probably have to give it your full concentration. You have to remember what you're doing. Um, so I don't think they're really trying to insult you. I don't think they feel like it's an insult. Uh, and I think they kind of, if they were, if they thought about it more, they'd realise we don't have a time portal, that we have extra time, but we're choosing to sit and knit while we watch TV, whereas they might be, as you rightly pointed out, scrolling on their phone. But I do think when people say, oh, I could never learn to do that, I think they are probably saying, you're clever. Like I have certainly had times where I've said I didn't have time to do Pilates today. I definitely did have time to do Pilates. It could have taken me 30 minutes. I, what I actually mean is I didn't choose to use the free time I had for Pilates today. I chose to do something else. So I wonder whether it's more helpful to just have it. It's a bit like having Google Translate in your head where what they're actually trying to say to you potentially is, wow, you're really patient. Or I wish I was as good at this so I could whip it out and make use of every five minutes. But you're right. If you're both sitting there watching your kids do an activity, you literally do have the same amount of time. You're just choosing to use it differently. But I really don't think they're trying to insult you. And I guess if they are, they're probably just jealous that they were bored and you were doing something productive. So my last couple of questions were both from Madison, who has been a guest on the podcast. And Madison said, please, can I answer some of the questions I normally ask interviewees? That is a great question. And I think the answer to that is that, yes, I could. But what I might prefer to do is to record that as a separate episode. So maybe I need to look for a friend or somebody who can interview me. Um, because I think it would actually feel better for me and less weird if I had somebody to ask me the questions that I normally ask my interviewees and then I could just answer them and we could have a conversation rather than me just rabbiting on on my own. So I think that's a great idea. Maybe I will have a think about who I could ask. And the second question Madison has asked me, I'm also going to read it out because she wrote it in a really nice way. So Madison's second question was, it would also be great to hear about your experience with interviewing for the podcast and how, if anyone's answers have shaped the way you think about knitting or discuss it with your therapy clients. It's so great to hear from all the different people you featured and I'd love to hear your side of things too. Thank you, Madison. Um, 
Has anyone's answers shaped the way I think about knitting? Yes, definitely. I think everybody's answers have shaped the way I think about knitting. I think um, when I'm interviewing people, I am always kind of refining the model I have in my head of how and why knitting is helpful for our mental health. And I think I have got a physical, um, like a visual representation of this in a diagram. And I think I'm always kind of refining the names of the categories of the different uh, sections. And I am thinking about changing them or adding them. And I think every time I interview a new person, it adds more kind of information to that um, diagram or the kind of my understanding of it in my head. And I think other times you just, somebody says something in a way that makes sense to you. And I think I'm constantly surprised and impressed by how insightful people are and how people have deliberately kind of used knitting to benefit their mental health much earlier than I did in my journey with knitting I think it took me a very long time to realize that I was a person who has always needed a project like a creative project something that was unconnected to my work like a project that didn't really matter it was just for the point of making something and that I'm a person who likes to make things with their hands and so I think yeah I think I'm always surprised by how insightful people are and I have definitely in therapy referenced some of the things people have said in interviews. Um, I've also sent interviews to people where I think, oh, you might relate to this. Um, or when talking about the therapeutic benefits of knitting. Um, yeah. And I think somebody, sometimes people just use um, a really lovely phrase to explain something and that has also been great to kind of collect some of those as quotes in terms of how people talk about knitting I think the other thing is like I guess part of why you listen to the podcast and why I enjoy having the conversations is I get the same thing that you get which is hearing somebody else talk about knitting the same way that I feel about it so I think some of the things for example that have stood out to me maybe at the time were things like um Harry Westerman when she started talking about feeling like she was like a superhero um when she was wearing something she'd made for herself um and I had had this feeling of that was something that I've said it many times on the podcast had taken me by surprise that when I eventually became a garment knitter I, um, yeah, was kind of surprised by how I felt different when I was wearing something I'd made myself and did get this slight kind of feeling of, um, I don't know, I always say I feel 20% happier on a day when I'm wearing something I've made myself, but also this slight kind of, it would give me an extra boost, like a, um, I don't know, confidence if I was doing, a, I don't know, something, a presentation or I was having an operation or, you know, something, it would just make me feel slightly safer and more confident. And I don't quite know why. Um, and I think um, Carrie Westerman was 
did a really good job of explaining what if you can make this thing yourself, then, you know, nobody can criticize you. I think that was the kind of message. Um, I think there've been loads of great quotes. I've shared a lot of them on Instagram um, in how people talk about knitting. And I guess I've probably picked out the ones that have spoken to me. So the ones I've related most to. Um, Yeah, so I think it has felt for me very validating in terms of how I think about knitting and also just, I don't know, confirmed more and more evidence that actually there is something, maybe something a bit different and special about knitting that means that it is therapeutic for lots of us. And I would love the opportunity to do more research into that. But I do talk to all of my clients about kind of knitting and creativity, and they don't all do knitting, but often we can find something that can give them some of the similar benefits. Um, So that might be, I don't know, Lego, it could be colouring, diamond painting, I don't know, baking, cake decorating, um, gardening where somebody has like an an interest it doesn't involve leaving their house preferably so that they can do it on a day when they're feeling a bit too vulnerable to go out or feeling low in energy or low in mood or really anxious and that it's kind of a low stakes place where you could experiment with something you're doing it kind of for the point of it it's not because it's your job or because it's something you have to do for someone else um so I think yeah those are things I talk about all the time and they're all informed by all of the conversations that I've had um over the last couple of years of doing the podcast okay well thank you so much for listening to my ramblings this is the first episode I've recorded on my own and it has helped a lot to have your questions Um, I have been thinking about doing a series of going through each of these topics. So I mentioned that diagram that I've got about all of the ways in which knitting is beneficial for our mental health. Um, And I have thought about doing a little mini podcast on each of those topics because I have, you know, given presentations about it. um, And I thought maybe a little podcast on each topic could be a good idea so if you're interested in it let me know because I don't love the idea of sitting and chatting on my own um but if there is interest in that then I would uh yeah do it so um yeah let me know wh- whether you think that's something you're interested in and I'm hoping to be back um with more interviews realistically in the autumn so thanks again for listening you so much for listening to the podcast if you want to find out more about my work you can visit my website therapeuticknitting.org or you can follow me on instagram at knitting is therapeutic thanks <laughs>